All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. It is episode 18 of the TLDR podcast. Um, if you are one of the select few that actually watch the YouTube channel, um, and if you pay attention to what's going on behind us, uh, Tyler's in a little different location. Uh, Tyler, where are you right now? Yeah, I'm in Bermuda uh, for work, work trip, working up for a rugby tournament. Uh, if I start cutting off randomly, it's probably because I'm in the triangle and uh, can't hear me. So this Wi-Fi is a little shitty, so bear with us here. Uh, but hopefully we can give you, we can still give you guys a good, uh, good podcast. Yeah. So if at any point during this, Tyler's is cut off and we just start talking over him, that's why he might just be lost forever. We'll, yeah. we'll have to see what happens. Uh, James, we we're talking before we started recording. Uh, Mookie Betts stole base. Free taco. Oh, yeah. Dude. Free How Doritos, the locals. Oh, dude, so pumped. I love tacos. Taco Bell is cool. Del Taco is cool. But Doritos, locals, tacos from Taco Bell, that's where it's at. Del Taco. Thank you, Mookie Betts. Huge fan. Thank you for stealing a base. I love tacos. Yeah, but, I mean, Eric, Del Taco might be better, but free tacos are the best yeah. tacos. This is true. It's like, I, for some reason, I was thinking it was Jack in the Box earlier when you said that, but then it all clicked together. Jack in the Box is basketball, and Taco Bell must be baseball. So there Del Tacos, maybe they should join the NHL or something. Yeah. I trade all right, Del Taco, you heard it here first. <laughs> Start throwing yeah. some sponsorship money at the NHL. Uh, Trading, speaking of the NHL, Doc Emmerich retiring. What are your thoughts on that real ah, quick, just at the that, beginning? That's crazy. Um, I mean, he's been around for I, I don't even know how many years. He goes back to the 80s he's been calling games. So um, 22 Stanley Cup finals. I mean, this guy is a legend. Um, he, he's well known in Canada as well as the United States, um, although he's most no, mostly, you know, we mostly hear him here in the States. I mean, he's, he's a legend. And, and uh, it, it'll be sad to not hear his voice, um, you know, on those crazy game sevens and his colorful uh, – colorful calls it'll be it'll be kind of sad but you know it's everyone's time I guess yeah he really is kind of the voice of the NHL right now it'll be interesting to see when we get into the playoffs next year what you know NBC and the the NHL decide they want what they want to do um but we're going to take a quick break and we come back Traden's going to lead us in a little game of jeopardy so we're going to try something new we'll see how it goes if it goes poorly you guys can blame Traden we'll be right back All right, so Traden's going to lead us in a little uh, round of Jeopardy. Traden, take it away. Tell us what we got to do. All right, boys. Hey, you know, I wanted to kind of change the pace a little bit, um, you know, get, get us having some fun. Uh, hockey's no longer going on, and there's not very many, much news, so I decided to do so something. Nothing new. is fun. Uh, <laughs> so I decided to do a little uh, Jeopardy trivia for the, uh, for the boys, see who, see who the smartest of us all in this, uh, in this room is. Uh, how it's going to work, we have uh, five categories, and anybody um, on the podcast can play along, please do, um, and also check us out on the YouTube, because you can kind of follow along on how it, how it all, you know, worked out. This is round one. I, I would, if this works out well, I'd like to continue doing this, you know, every now and then to kind of shake things up, so we'll see how it goes. Um, so, <clears throat> we have five categories. Um, the numbers on the screen show how many points that question's worth. Maximum of four points for a question. 
and whoever buzzes in first has the chance to answer the question. And you know, if they're wrong, then they suck and they don't get any points. If they're right, they get the points and we move on. Does that sound good for you guys? Let's do it. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's just start. I'm just going to start it up. Uh, we'll go with Grand Slam's extra ham for one. All right. This MLB team was the first opposing team that Babe Ruth hit his first career home run against. Anyway, uh, look like Alex. What do you got? Uh, I'm going to go against the Yankees. Absolutely correct. Boom. Damn. The, what is the New York Yankees? Oh, yeah. I did. Were we supposed to answer this in actual jeopardy? <laughs> I'm Sorry. Really what is the New York really Yankees? Care. Don't worry about it. You can if you want. Don't worry about it. <laughs> what are the New York Yankees? Uh, so yeah. go ahead, Alex. Go ahead and pick the next one. Uh, let's do, let's do fumbling football for two. Two. Up until Derrick Henry's 2018 touchdown, this player held the record for the only player to have rushed for a 99-yard touchdown. Oh, boy. I, I think I just got trigger happy on this thumbs All up. Right, Eric, got? Uh, Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lynch. Unfortunately not. Who is Tony Dorsett? Yeah, who the what? Way yeah. That's who a the fuck is that? Tough, that was way Jeez, back. That, that should be worth like twenty points. <laughs> wow. I don't want to. I don't want to click this thing twenty times. You know <laughs> who the hell is that? All right, go ahead, Alex. Uh, let's do holy puck and shit for one. All right. In hockey, referees call penalties. These officials call offsides, icings, and breakup fights. Eric, damn it, linesman. Line who are the linesmen? Out of boy. <laughs> Go ahead, Eric. What's the next one? Uh, there are other sports for three. Oh. Wilt Chamberlain was inducted into the NBA Hall of Fame and this other Hall of Fame after his basketball career ended. Hey, Alex? Uh, the WWE Hall of Fame. No. <laughs> it is actually the Volleyball Hall what? I thought it was pretty cool. That's a tough one. Trivia. It is tough. Good one. But hey, good one. That is a good one. Most of this is, I learned a lot doing this, so I hope you guys. <laughs> yeah, for real. I don't know anything. Right, go ahead, uh, Eric. Uh, take it to the hoop for two. For two. In the 1984 draft, this was <laughs> drafted third overall to this NBA team. So I think it was uh, Tyler. What do you want a player or a I team or both? both. Uh, <laughs> I want to go. I might be way wrong. I probably uh, Magic Johnson, <laughs> Lakers. I saw Alex. Alex. No. Uh, Michael no. Jordan. Oh. Jordan to the Chicago Bulls. Come yes. on, Tyler. Ah, yeah. Who? Well, <laughs> History's not strong. Right. I thought he was a golfer, <laughs> baseball player. All right, go ahead, Alex. Uh, let's do fumbling football for four. Ooh, this one's tough. Past home fields of this current NFL team include the LA Memorial Coliseum and Candlestick Park. Eric. Uh, San Francisco 49ers. Oh. What? James, do you want a shot? Okay, uh, Tyler, what do you got? The Oakland Raiders. You are correct, except Woo! you're wrong. Oh, Vegas Raiders, Oakland Raiders. You're absolutely right. I'm on the board. You're wrong. You're going to get a point for that. Uh, <laughs> no, I get a point. I get this for you. <laughs> uh, Tyler can't. Uh, Who goes me? No, yeah. I go. 
Okay. Okay, go. <laughs> Wait, I got the right – I got the question go, right. Go, so Tyler. Go. Grand slams, extra ham for two. All right, here we go. This female pitcher once struck out both Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig in an exhibition game between the Yankees and double-A Chattanooga lookouts. Marshawn Lynch. Alex? I know this isn't the right answer, but uh, Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually Jackie Mitchell. I thought that was, I, I, I thought that was interesting because she's like the only female to strike out like a male MB, MLB player. So yeah. I thought that was pretty interesting. So we learned something today. You know, I think we did was, learn something today. Tyler, what do you got? Um, let's do there are other sports for two. This country was the first to win the World Cup in July of 1930. I thought James. I think I see James. Oh, go for it, James. What is Spain? No, Tyler. You want to try? <laughs> what is Brazil? Close. It is. You're oh. a lie. I just guessed a random country, guys. I had no idea. Damn. Tyler, go ahead. Get on the board. You didn't. You didn't specify World Cup of what sport. You're right. I thought. I thought it was pretty implicit, but let's do uh, a <laughs> holy puck and shit for two. All right. This legendary blue liner won the Hart Trophy and Conn Smythe Trophy in the same season twice in his career. Mm. Tyler? Bobby Orr? Yes, sir! Woo! Let's go! Good job, Tyler. Nice job. Take us away. Um, let's do fumbling football for one. Ooh. This NFL team is the only team to display their logo on one side of their helmet. Eric? Chargers? No. Uh, <laughs> Washington? No, it is the Damn. Pittsburgh Steelers. Ah. I forgot an S. Sorry. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> Tyler, take us away. Uh, Grand Slam's extra hand for three. This player hit the shot heard round the world on October 3rd, 1950. Alex? Mazeroski. Mazeroski. It's actually Bobby. Oh, Thompson. it is Bobby Thompson. Mazeroski, <laughs> the other one. The other one. I don't even know. Uh, Tyler's name. Uh, let's do Holy Puck and Shit for three. This often misunderstood rule in hockey was introduced in 1937 to eliminate a common delaying tactic used by teams to protect their leads. I, I didn't see who was first. Eric? <laughs> Actually, maybe it was James. Okay, James. Yeah, we'll I think James first. Icing. Good job, dude. Nice. Yeah, that's oh. hockey. Nice. <laughs> <Wow. job>. That's <laughs> the most confused rule by all people who don't it, it watch is. hockey that much. It is. It is. Take it to the hoop of four. Take the hoop of four. The sport of basketball was invented in 1891 by Canadian PE instructor, I don't know how I can't spell, James Naismith in, in a YMCA training school in this U.S. city and state. John in the Dark, New York. No. Eric? Utah. No. <laughs> Missouri. Massachusetts. James, take us away. There are other sports for four. For four. On March 15, 2014, a Warrior Challenge MMA for at Warrior Challenge MMA 14, Mike Garrick knocked out Sam Heron in this record time. James? Three seconds. Nope. Tyler? Four seconds. One Damn second. It. Wow. One <laughs> second. Wow. <laughs> that was crazy. <laughs> James. Let's go ahead and take it to Hooper three. <laughs> All right. Oh, not that one. 
Sorry. Oh, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> this former NBA star was the first player to be drafted number one overall without playing college or high school basketball in the United States. Oh. Okay, okay uh, so he's not an NBA star, but Anthony Bennett was drafted number one overall without playing basketball in the United States at all. And he sucked. But he was number one overall. It wasn't true. Him. Eric? <laughs> Is he alive still or not? I think so. LeBron? <laughs> no, Dude, what? What? In the United States. Oh, nice. United States. It is Yao, Yao Ming. Ming. Uh, Wait, what? It says what? Who played in the United States? Who, no, he did oh, not. Without living. Oh, this fucking Zoom thing is in the way. <laughs> <laughs> James, what you got? Wow. Family football for three. All right. Last football one. This QB holds the best rookie, rookie passer rating in the NFL history. Tyler? Tom Brady? No. Anybody else? Dak Prescott. Oh, what the fuck? Okay. Dak Prescott. No chance. All right, James. We got three more on the or four more on the board. Take it for one. Stephen Curry and this fellow three-point specialist are known oh. as uh, I didn't see it was first. It was Alex. Alex? It is Clay. It is absolutely Damn, clay. I'm trying to pad my stats over here. This is a close game. Uh, Alex, three more on the board. Uh, there are other sports for one. On April 14th, 2011, Kevin Na played his worst ever par four on the PGA Tour since the tour began recording hole-by-hole -hole scores in 1983, posting this atrocious score. Eric? 99? On one hole? That's a little crazy. Oh, wait. I thought you said his whole score. I thought you said his whole score. First ever par four on this par four. Tyler, go ahead. Try again, Eric. Six. No. So, plus two. Twelve. Sixteen. Ooh. <laughs> 99. Go this dude's a 99. Yikes. Yeah. Yikes. I thought you were talking about his whole entire score. Uh, it was a little confusing. Uh, <laughs> Alex. Pick one more. One of those last two. Uh, Grand slams extra ham for four. This SF Giants player once hit a home run but didn't score on the play. Was it recently or a long time ago? Relatively recently, yes. And I don't really, I don't remember remember the the what happened, but I can I can kind of explain it. Tyler. J T Snow. No, Eric. Damn it. <laughs> Hunter Pence. No, Benji Molina. Benji Molina. What? So he, he was scored on the fucking Giants. In, it, for some reason, I don't know what exactly happened, but they ruled it. They ruled it a single or something, but then it then they ruled it a home run. But they had a pinch runner on first that actually ran the base. I don't know. It was kind of weird, but yeah, he did not record the the run, but mm. uh, he did get a home run. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. The last that's fake one, news, trading. The last one. <laughs> Fucking shit. This NHL team has had two different franchises. The original moved to Phoenix in 1996 and the second in 2011 after moving from Atlanta. Eric. And they, they, did they move back to a new place? I Winnipeg Jets? You are correct. Winnipeg Jets. Damn it. Why did yes. Tyler oh, wow. Alex rounds our third place at four and James at um, On the podium, four. baby. James is doing a beer mob. <laughs> um, <laughs> right after Alex does his. Did you guys enjoy it? Is it that was is awesome. It, was it fun? 
Yeah, you know, I was definitely some hard say, like, questions, man. I know. I, I'll make them a little bit easier. I didn't like. There were some that I thought were like way too easy, and then some were that are like, "There's no way." So I did. You know, for our first round, it, it you know maybe I'll make them a little easier next time. Ninety-nine. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, that that concludes round one of of TLDR podcast Jeopardy. Um, yeah. This is gonna happen again, and I I had fun doing it. So. Yeah, trading. Great job. That worked out, I think, better than we could have expected um, from the five of us for sure. I think try to keep those scores and we can continue to like add on. Yeah. Yeah. Keep like a running tally. Uh, We're going to take another break. Uh, We might maybe need some juice or something. I don't know. (laughs) Something to get our brains going after that. Uh, We come back. Eric's going to talk about um, how to run a successful franchise. We'll see what happens. All right, we're back. Uh, we got some juice, maybe a snack, you know, we'll figure something out. Uh, Eric is up next. He's going to talk about, or we're all going to kind of talk about uh, how to turn your team around uh, if it's going in the dumps or how to keep it going if it's going well. Eric, it's all, the floor is yours. For sure. So last week we talked kind of uh, the most important positions and uh, what we thought, you know, was that key player on the field or the court. Uh People didn't agree with me on some of them, but who knows? Maybe they'll agree with me this week in my my GM scope and my coach glasses. Let's start with the NBA, um, and James kind of went covered that last week. So I just want to throw it right at James. Uh, what are like some key principles you would think to guide a successful team in this league? So I took this question of this topic and I took it from the eyes of a coach, and to me. Building a successful NBA team comes with players first. So I have a couple things here about how teams should be built around their players. It will even to them. Typically, before the NBA, like, you're the guy. In high school, in college, you're like, you're the dude. Like, the ball goes to you, you score the ball at all times. And in the NBA, that's not the, it's not going to happen, man. There's, like, alpha, alpha dogs like LeBron and AD and, and, like, those guys who are going to have the ball. And you're not going to be as good as them. Sorry about it. You got to find that role. You got to stick with it. Like, typically, even, like, the worst guy in the G League will beat most D1 players. That just goes to show you the amount of talent that the NBA has. So the ability to accept any role given to you and fulfill that role to the best of your ability is going to be key to building a successful team. Another thing is finding a player that will play within that system that you have. Like, you see, every coach runs a different system. Phil Jackson needs to run the triangle. Nobody else runs the triangle. Mike D'Antoni had seven seconds or less. Every coach runs a different system, and that system needs to be run for the team to to do well. I think you should also have to promote chemistry between players. Players want to win, but they do better when they play for their brothers or their teammates. When they don't want to mess up because they don't want to let their teammates down, they do better that way. And lastly, you want to find players using stats. I just watched Moneyball, so I'm kind of big on this right now. But you want to have somebody that's just not based off name value. You want to look at their how they produce. Sometimes their name value is way overblown just because they're overfamous. Like, take Lonzo Ball, for example. He was going to be super, super good. Turns out not so much. Um, so based it off stats, you can take away some of the biases. Completely on stats. And that's why I think it makes a successful NBA team. 
Wow, that was that was a solid little synopsis right there, James. Uh, yeah, I agree with most of your points, um, and it's so hard to predict a guy coming in kind of like like Lonzo, you know, because I believe in that draft it was like Tatum was right before him that went to the Celtics, but you know Lonzo had a really good season at UCLA. You think this guy's going to be like a, the next superstar point guard in, in the in the NBA, especially going to the Lakers, Magic Johnson getting him all the all this this hype. I, I kind of have down like you need a leader who's willing to provide as much resources as possible. And I'm talking like a GM or an owner, um, you know, word around town, like the New York Knicks, that ain't working over there. That owner is, you know, not providing them as many resources as they, as they can get. Uh, and it just kind of shows how trash they are all the time. Um, everyone needs to trust each other, both the players and the staff. That's pretty important. Uh, you could kind of see that with the Lakers this year. It seemed like it. Um, pretty much most players trust each other except for Danny Green, I guess, in that <laughs> one game. Um, but most of the time they did trust him. I believe the coach – I think actually it helps if your coach once played in the league itself. I mean, you've seen, you've seen it both ways, though. You've seen a coach who's played in the league and he became a head coach and won a championship. And then you've also seen – other coaches that never played in the league, but they're just very, very good mindset coaches uh, with their systems. So I, on each little segment, I'm going to play a little devil's advocate. James, what happens when you have all the pieces in place, but the chemistry just isn't there? For example, your team's up in a series expected to move on, and that crumbles right in front of you. So, like, what would be your next move after all that shit happens? Well, if you – don't have the chemistry. I don't think you have all the pieces. You have to find something, somebody that can mend that. Whether it be a coach, whether it be assistant coach, or another player who brings up morale. You gotta. You don't have all the pieces if you don't have chemistry. Chemistry plays a huge part of this. All of it. This is an 82 game season, and then playoffs. Like that's a long time you're with people. People will get on your nerves. You gotta figure out a way to still stay together and not let personal biases or little arguments get in the way of you guys playing. It is. Uh, it is a tough tough thing to form because you could have a lot of talent but like you said talent may not be the pieces to build chemistry yeah, I mean, uh, moving at, on james harden and rusted same thing yeah yeah look at james harden and chris paul yeah. maybe uh yeah, that guy james harden. <laughs> um let's move on to the nfl this uh was kind of what alex covered last week um even though i said the safety was the most important position <laughs> um this is probably one of the tougher sports if you're a GM or a coach because uh, guys get hurt all the time. We, we just saw it with Dak Prescott, and we saw the Cowboys literally just get stomped into the turf last night uh, by the Cardinals. But, Alex, what are some core values you think would be needed to create a successful NFL franchise? Yeah, this one is tough because, um, you know, there's so many more players on the active roster compared to the other three sports. Um, and at the same time, I mean, as important as the safeties are, uh, you know, you do need that reliable quarterback, um, you know, look at the Browns, they have ungodly talent all over the field, but Baker is shitty. Yeah. We'll we'll just, we'll just call him what he is. He's, he has not lived up to the expectations. Um, and you know, and they're not playing like they should be, you know, last year they were a, you know, a low key Super Bowl pick. They went like six and 10, um, you know, and then you, on the other side, you see the Patriots and Tom Brady and Bill Belichick 
you know, Tom Brady has never had receivers or running backs like the Browns currently have, you know, they still make the playoffs. They go 12 and four every year. Um, you know, it's a lot of, I think the main part I'm trying to get to is a coach quarterback tandem that works well together, a coach that can, um, you know, effectively get their message to both sides of the team, you know, offense and defense, you know, with football, they're separate players. They only play defense. They only play offense, which is totally different than the other three sports where players play both, you know, offensively and defensively. Um, you have to be able to man, like you trust your assistant coaches to, um, you know, run those specific things. Um, and then uh, draft from Alabama. Yeah. Just not a quarterback. Every other to, uh, draft Alabama. Yeah. Fuck like Derek Henry. Yeah, Jesus. Exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, I got down a, a bigger team of guys per week. Uh, that's a lot to handle. Um, dudes drop like flies, unfortunately, in that sport because you're literally smashing your heads in each other every play. Um, yeah, I mean, building that foundation with your QB and offense, obviously for scoring, and building that structured defense, which should be willing to handle most situations, that's what makes, in my eyes, a, a successful team. Um, every game matters. Like, it's a playoff game, especially in James's eyes, you know, like, when he's ripping silverware drawers out of Traden's house. Um, like I was like, damn, dude, you're getting mad. He's like, dude, every game matters. It kind of made, it, it kind of makes sense. Cause the fucking Rams just shit the bed to the Niners. And like, that's, that was a really important game in the division. And it was like, I wanted to go rip my silverware drawer out that night. Uh, devil's advocate um, scenario, your highest paid starting quarterback shits the bed and gets benched. Uh, what's what's your next move, Alex? I mean, you can look at the Washington football team. They just did this. You know, Dwayne Haskins was a top pick. He was their guy. He's played awful. And he's now the third string uh, behind Kyle Allen, who we all know is not a great quarterback. And Alex Smith, who, you know, congrats to that dude for coming back. But, um, you know, you have to play the hot hand. If someone is not performing, the fact that you have such a huge team throw someone else out there. You never know what you're going to get. Um, you know, Tom Brady was a, you know, sixth round pick wasn't expected to be what he is. Uh, you know, quarterback gets hurt. He comes in and now he's the goat. So, um, you know, if someone's not performing, don't stick with them just because you have loyalty. Uh, James is right. Every game counts in a short, like the season is so short compared to the other sports. You've got to try to win as many as possible. You can't just take a game off. Yeah, kind of answered my other question was like, how would you prepare for a worst possible situation, like like the Dak Prescott type of thing? I mean, it's hard. It's and it's kind of what you're saying. You go with the next guy, the next hot hand. You, you know, maybe you you try to go with loyalty, but the second that guy fucks up, he's on a short short leash. Um, shit. Yeah. I mean, fuck. I can never be a GM in any of this sport. <laughs> Trying tonight. Uh, <laughs> Let's move on to the MLB because the World Series is going. It's almost over game one, I believe. But Traden talked with baseball uh, last week. Um, so many minor leagues leading up to the MLB, right, Tyler? Uh, like fucking the alphabet's worth. Um, how would you manage – Traden, how would you manage an MLB team, a normal season, which is a fuck ton of games? I think it's like 162 or something. I don't even know. Yeah, I think that's the number. That's but, um, 
yeah like what what are your like what were the key things i can't believe i got that right what are the key things you would like try to like outline and highlight in a long ass season like that I, it's tough i mean i, I i've only I, I really watched a lot of more baseball than i ever had during covid so I, you know I, I don't really watch much baseball during a longer season it's just there's just so many games right but with that said i think i think what's key is you need to have very similar to what james said so it's going to sound like a broken record is you need to have a team that buys in to a system um i mean i, I look at i look at a team like the like the tampa bay Rays who are in the who are in the world series now yes they lost tonight but they're a very different type of makeup than your do- than the Dodgers that they're playing against. One is a is a high you know big paying team that'll that'll pay up the nose to get players that they need, and then you have a Tampa Bay Rays team who doesn't have that type of budget but is bringing in the right players to make it happen. Um, you know you kind of go back to the Moneyball type of style. You're finding the guys that can withstand 162 two game series, pitchers that are going to roll in and out. You're going to have you need depth to go long in, in a, in a, in a regular season. Um, Cause those pitchers are going to be rotating in and out. And I said yet yeah, last week that the pitcher is, you know, the most important position on the field. And, you know, if you, you look at a team like the angels and you have the greatest baseball player on the planet right now, but he can't even, he can't will his team to, to a playoff spot because his pitching, he can't pitch, you know, he's not going to be pitching. He's a, he's a fielder for a reason. Um, He's he's paid to to hit bombs and hit and 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 uh, make crazy plays. That's what he gets paid for. He doesn't get paid to do the other parts of the game. And interestingly, unlike the other sports, in some respect, I would say unlike hockey and, and basketball, you really can't like if you're you're really designated to one position, and it's really tough to to do someone else's position, like on like at any given time. It just doesn't work that way. You know, you're given a role and you do that role. Um, whereas, you know, a defenseman can be covered by a, by a centerman, you know, at any given time during a hockey game. Um, you, I think the ultimate answer is you just need depth and need the right players that buy into a system that buy into the, to what the coach and manager is, 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 you know, giving them. And, you know, it doesn't, you don't need to have the best players. You need to have statistically the right players and, not only statistically, but there is an eye test relative to the type of behaviors and the and the demeanor that the that the players you know bring along with them. Um, you know, you look at someone like a Clayton Kershaw. He is a fantastic pitcher, but he's also it seems like he's a good leader. He's a good he's a good guy to have in the having the um, having the locker room and the dugout. So you need those you need that combination. Um, and then as a, as a manager, you just, you just work with it. You know, you, you give your pitchers the rest they need, make sure that they're ready to go when it's their turn, have a nice rotation, fill in when you need. And the GM, hopefully the GM makes the right trades when, when the time is needed. So you weren't talking about Shohei Otani when you talked about the Angels having the greatest pitcher in baseball or player in baseball? No. Oh, it was, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I think going off everything you're saying, the uh, – like being a manager in baseball, even a GM as well, it's like a lot of strategy. I've realized after watching this COVID season, like, like me and James were ranting about Joe Madden, you know, it's like he's pulling these pitchers too early. Like there's all this strategy that he's trying to think in his head. We're seeing it differently. Um, a lot of like sending pitchers and players up and down from the minor leagues. Maybe there was a little less of that this year with all the fucking stupid virus shit. 
um, like alternating catchers, a bunch of different things that happen in baseball that I've like started to catch on to a little more. Um, but here's the old devil's advocate. Your team loses a series after being up 3-1 Atlanta to go to the World Series. Um, what do you what do you tell them that post game speech like? Like, how are you going to bounce back the next season when that first game next season? I mean, you see it in every sport, and then these types of upsets and these type of these type of uh, you know breakdowns happen, and you really just say, hey, th- this is something that you gotta. The coach really can't do much. It's up to the players to really take that in and be like, and think, how is it? How are you going to react to this? Perfect example, and I know I'm going, bringing it back to the sport that I love. The the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning gets got throttled last playoffs by the Columbus Blue Jackets, the eighth seed, completely. And then they came back. They re, they tinkered with a couple things. They got a little bit tougher, and they were in a they, they were unstoppable. Um, it, it it all. It's up to the players to really take that in and to realize, okay, what could we have done better to make this to make these breakdowns not happen? And then it's up to the manager to to also pin those pin, pinpoint, you know, the weaknesses and fill those spots. Um, you know, th- I think that's the ultimate. I, I think that's what this is just how a general manager needs to work. I mean, or a manager needs to work. He, you know, he has a plan. Stick with the plan. If you lose a three to one series, you know, lead and completely blow it and you already had a plan in place, I don't necessarily think you need to change it unless it's been a consistent type of, you know, trend. A one-off is nothing. A trend is something. And um, that it, it also that will, will also dictate how you're going to react. But at the end of the day, it's up to the players to just kind of figure it out. As the manager, you're going to try and, you know, push them in the direction that, you know, here's what, here's what our weaknesses were. This is why we broke – this is why we had the breakdowns here, here, and here fix the issues and let's get back to the season. Shit, I might kind of make, would want you to be a GM one day trading. Like you kind of giving some good insight right now. Um, let's go to the last sport. Well, you are a coach too. Um, let's go to the last sport, the NHL. Of course, we can't leave this one out. Tyler went over uh, the NHL last week and all of our other topics. Um, a season similar in length and time to the NBA, it's pretty much like the same. It's 81 games instead of 82. And it's like every other day or if not the same day as NBA, it's like every day. Um, but hockey is kind of switching all their different styles over the past few years. Speed versus size, toughness versus finesse. Tyler, you're a head coach. What's the most important to you? Yes. all of them are important uh it's 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 having the right mix obviously you know i think with hockey i think the league changes the league strategy changes pretty pretty often um you you see teams that have success with one style of play and everyone's trying to catch up to them you can play catch up or you can innovate and pull and come up with a strategy to counter what what, whatever strategy is working i think that's kind of the beauty of hockey as i think you see that ebb and flow a lot at least i think i see it more more in hockey than um, other sports just kind of going you know uh, strategy and counter counter strategy um, so I think I think with hockey you know it there's really the, the two the two main components is your lines your skaters and your and your your goaltending so obviously um, goal goaltending is super super important um, you got to have a guy that's going to be super athletic I think it's one of the most athletic demanding sports 
one of the most athletic demanding positions in, in all of sports. You got to be flexible, got to be strong, got to be, got to have good endurance, got to be quick, got to have, got to have everything. And you also got to be mentally strong. You know, you, you, you can't let that goal in and then just break down and then just let two more in. You, you got to stay strong, even if it was a, a whether it was a, a crappy bounce or you just missed it for whatever reason, you just got to stay strong in, in, in the net. Um, and as far as lines go, um, I think looking at teams that have had success, you know, uh, usually in, in hockey, you have four lines, right? Um, especially with the forwards, top two lines are your scoring lines. Those are the guys that are going to get the points on the board. Your third line is going to be checking, is going to be roughing, kind of keep, keep that uh, other team at, at bay. And that fourth line is that, that, uh, that energy line. So it's going to give you that energy, that boost. You know, guys that are going to come in and, you know, kind of give the top two lines some rest, but still, you know, be able to give your team some depth and to keep the game moving along. Yeah, it, it, is, uh, it is interesting in hockey, like the, from that little pickup league that we used to play in, like you could have all the momentum and the second like a goal gets scored on you unexpectedly, it randomly changes. Like, and it's like you, you feel it. I don't know. Um, but yeah, some things I got down, I think, uh, with hockey and basketball, like you hear all this, this science and things, um, called load management. It's actually pretty real. Um, lots of travel and back to back games of those two different physically demanding sports. Uh, managing load is something that would be really important. Um, the coaches that kind of buy into that, you see more like players getting less hurt, more successful teams and vice versa. Um, and devil's advocate, uh, what do you, what would you tell your team if basically they're out of the playoffs by new year's day, AKA there's only a few months into they're only a few months into the season and they're already almost mathematically eliminated. How do you, how do you recharge them? Well, the St. Louis Blues were pretty much in that situation a couple of years ago and uh, won the Stanley Cup. So with hockey, I think with, with, with the way point systems work, usually the, you know, the bottom kind of half of the standings are usually pretty close. And there's realistically probably only like four or five teams in the league that are just complete absolute trash and have zero chance of, of making the, the playoffs. So even if you're out of a playoff spot in January, there's still, what, three months, two and a half months left of the season. That's a lot of time to make up a lot of ground, get some points. Uh, I think hockey can change real quick, you know, and it's just a matter of playing your game, playing your style of play, buying into whatever the coach's uh, style of playing is and playing your role. Like I, like I mentioned earlier, if, you, if you're the, the, one of those top line scorers, you've got to score those goals. If you're that fourth liner, you do what you can. You bring that energy. You you skate hard. You you forecheck. You do what you got to do to help your team win. Yeah. Um, wow. I mean, shit. Those of you that uh, you know don't think we do the facts or no sports, think again. Uh, and just all the things we went over. The NBA scenario: a team that I described was a team that was in LA that didn't win the the championship this year unfortunately the nfl scenario i described was alex got it was the browns and it was the cowboys baseball was the atlanta braves probably because i yelled atlanta and then hockey was the blues and tyler nailed that on the head well dang we should all be gms apparently yeah uh eric good job that one was super interesting i definitely think we could uh you know we could have gone on for hours on this topic um those inspiring gms out there are very intelligent uh, we're going to take a quick break. 
Uh, when we come back, James is going to go over his fantasy football waiver wire pickups. Uh, we'll see what we got when we get back. All right, we're back. James kind of following the same thing he did last week. Uh, he's going to give you some some pickups in case your fantasy team is struggling. Uh, looking at me, uh, my team sucks balls. James, <laughs> take it away. <laughs> I'm going to follow up on that. I'm going to give you a little update on our fantasy league here. Um, first of all, I lost by like 40 points today, this last weekend, which is a little upsetting because I actually had the third highest point total. That sucks. Tyler won. He's now 5-1 and one in the year. He's tied for He's in a three-way tie in first place. Traded one by point four points. Yeah, baby. In three and tied for fourth. Thank you, Patty. And in the battle, the teams that couldn't break 100 points, Eric beat Alex 83 to 68. Eric is now 5-1 <laughs> and one in a three-way tie, like I mentioned for first. That was actually Alex pretty close. Cool My team is very hurt. It's been, it's been brutal. It's been Alex brutal. is the opposite of 5-1. and one. He's 1-5, one and he's in last yeah, place. AKA beer mile time. Dude, can't wait. <laughs> Teams on a bye. Vikings, Dolphins, Colts, and the big one is the Ravens. If they have anybody on that team, find a replacement ASAP. Starting off at quarterback this week, we got Carson Wentz from the Eagles. He's owned in 50.7% of the league, so it's kind of cheating, but man, it was really hard to find like waiver wires this week. It was tough. In week six, he had 29.42 points. On the season, he's actually QB number 10. Against Baltimore, he went 21 for 40, 213 yards, and two touchdowns. He also had five carries for 49 yards and a touchdown. The biggest key here is that Miles Sanders is out for a couple of weeks. That means Carson Wentz is going to have to throw more. <laughs> and Alex, that sucks because he's on your team. Yep. Ugh, rough. Yeah, he had like his first two picks. <laughs> <laughs> the O-line for the Eagles is Absolutely decimated. I don't know if you guys saw that clip of his his right guard or left guard or something. He gave up a sack by getting demolished. The next play, he was fixing his glove mid-play. And the play after that, he actually sacked Carson Wentz. Their O-line <laughs> is bad. <laughs> so he's going to have to scramble more, which means more rush yards. Yeah, Carson Wentz. The Eagles overall are just a bad team. So a lot of negative game scripts equals more throwing opportunities. Next up, they play the Giants. That's a shaky defense that QBs can throw on. We've seen it all season long. Trading, I know you're really strong at the QB position with Pat Mahomes, but I'm going to ask you this anyway. Uh, what do you think of Carson Wentz as a waiver wire ad? Well, my neck, my, when you go around the horn and give us a QB or give us a chance to give you a waiver wire, I'll give you the QB you should have picked, but we'll get there. <laughs> um, Carson Wentz. I, <laughs> He has a hurt <laughs> offensive unit, and you know he he has a lot of weapons that are out, um, and he has the tendency he has the tendency to hold the ball long. You can ask you can ask Tyler how much he likes him. Right now, he probably doesn't like him that much. He's just having issues, but he put up nearly thirty points against a formidable Ravens D. You, you got to give it to him that he's a fighter. He's he's he, he fights through it. Um, he gets sacked six times. Um, you know, and has limited weapons, especially Zach Ertz, who hasn't been himself and now maybe out for a while. It looks, it looks ugly. I understand. Um, but he put up 30 points, two touchdown passes and two, two point conversions. Literally he put the team back in an attempt to, you know, come back against the Ravens. And I had said to you, there's something wrong here. Cause the Ravens only lost by one or only beat them by one. I, I, 
that should have been a blowout. Um, give it to, I got to give it to Wins for giving it his all. Here's what I say maybe you can pick him up, especially during the bye, bye periods. He plays the Giants, the Cowboys, the Giants, and then the Browns, you know, all during bye weeks of the NFL. I mean, top, like if he's going to put up at least 20 points, it's going to be against those fucking terrible teams. All of them are bad. All of them. There's not one that's even close. So, and, and so, but he's able to put up 30 points against the Ravens. That gives me some, like, you know, if you need a pressure valve against a, with a, you know, if you're having troubles on the QB side and you need a pressure valve, he's the one that can kind of maybe fit in. Um, also, if you need a streaming option for any of those, you know, defenses that, uh, I think there's a better one, but before, what do you think? I can't believe he's QB number 10, but. I, I guess we're looking at fantasy points with, with his schedule. I can see him staying there. I, honestly, it's going to be close, but I think he can stay there. I, I do. I actually really agree. I think he might be a top 10 QB at the end of the year, just because of how bad this team is. Um, a couple of other notable QBs is Jimmy G from San Francisco. The way Kyle Shanahan runs that offense is going to get a lot of easy throw and run after catch. He might put up some points here and there. And then Kyle Allen from Washington, just because he's the guy at Washington. Moving on to running back. J.D. McKissick from Washington. Like I said, guys, this is a very, very, very hard waiver week. There's not a lot to add here. But J.D. McKissick is only 23.6% of leagues. In with six, he had 14.4 points. Against the Giants, he had eight carries of 41 yards and six receptions for 43 yards. He plays in a Ron Rivera-led offense. What did Ron Rivera coach before Washington? He coached the Panthers. The Panthers had Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey got a lot of points. That's the same kind of offensive philosophy we're using here. They throw to the backs a lot. So if you're in a PPR league, pick this guy up because he's going to catch a lot of balls. He had six receptions as a running back. That's a lot of receptions. Snap count-wise, he was on the, on the field way more than any other running back. He was out there for 39 snaps. Uh, and the next closest is Antonio Gibson, who was out there for 27 snaps. He was actually targeted the second most. Six, six targets, like I mentioned, following only Terry McLaurin because Terry McLaurin is an elite wide receiver. Good option there. Up next, they face the Dallas Cowboys. This is going to be a shit game, guys. If you want to watch, I question you. They look like the worst defensive team in the league right now. They give up an average of 36 points per game. Kenny and Drake yesterday just wrecked them for 164 yards and two touchdowns. Tyler, your favorite waiver wire pickup of Miles Gaston is on bye this week. What do you think of J.D. McKissick? Yeah, this is, as you mentioned, a pretty tough time for uh, waiver wire running backs. There's been a lot of running back injuries. Uh, Dalvin Cook's on my team, uh, so he's questionable to start. And as you mentioned, Miles Gaskin, my best pickup of the year, is on a bye week. So I'm definitely looking for some running backs. I like this pick. Um, you, you, you look at um, his, his point totals this season so far. They've only gone up so far. So he's, in, he's gotten more points every week as he's played. Um, and as you mentioned, he's playing the, playing the Cowboys this week, projected for 12.1 points. That's, that's pretty solid for a waiver pickup if you're thinned out on, on running back. Um, so I think this is a good guy to pick up, as you mentioned, a uh, good threat for the, for, for the pass as well. So he's, he's going to get a lot of points there. So uh, looking at this guy's uh, load of work so far, I'm, I'm liking where he's going to be uh, heading into this week. Do you think his workload will increase as the year goes on, or will it decrease and give some snaps away to Antonio Gibson? Hard, hard, hard to really say. I think just looking at what we've seen so far, it's only been increasing. Um, it might level out, obviously, at some point, but um, he's been productive, and he's, he's, I think, been rewarded with, um, with that, with his, with his rep counts. 
Um, I don't really see it going back down unless there's some sort of injury or something like that. I agree with you there. Some other notable running backs is Frank Gore, the ageless wonder, the legend. He had 11 points. He's the guy for the Jets. Jets suck. You're, I'm getting really desperate here, guys. And then <laughs> Giovanni Bernard from Cincinnati. He's the number two guy, but he's out there for the majority of passing snaps with third downs, which the Cincinnati Bengals get a lot of. So I'll get some marks there. Moving on to wide receiver, we got T. Higgins from Cincinnati. I like this pick a lot because I mentioned him as my notable a couple weeks ago. He's owned in 43.9% of leagues. In week six, he had 18.7 points. Against the Colts, he had six receptions on eight targets for 125 yards. Like I mentioned before, he is Joe Burrow's favorite target. His workload tends to increase each and every week, and you can see that on the stats. He, had five, he has five red zone targets on the year, which is more than any other, any other wide receiver on the team. In the last two weeks, he's been on the field way more than any other offensive player not named Joe Burrow. Up next, they play the Browns, which is, as you they Baker, it's the Browns don't look too good. <laughs> uh, Eric, your wide receiver struggled this week, and now Devontae Parker's on bye. What do you think of T. Higgins as a waiver wire round? They actually did struggle. That's crazy that you, you know that. Well, you must have just looked at my score. Uh, this guy is pretty good. Um, him and Joe Burrow are connecting very well. I did see this guy just all over the field on Sunday against the Colts. I bet you Matt Rivera was fucking freaking out. He has 12 catches, and he's averaging 12.7 yards per catch. That's a lot of points, a lot of yards in fantasy. The only knock on him, he needs more touchdowns. He will get that, though. I think he's up and coming. Um, I did lose my first game in my other fantasy league against him. That's where I got to like know about this dude more. Uh, and he scored his TDs, a lot of his TDs against Tyler's terrible Eagles, like we already mentioned, and I predicted them to be. So I think he's a good pickup. Uh, I probably wouldn't pick him up, though. I think my receivers would be okay. They just didn't do that well this week. Okay. He's currently wide receiver 32 on the year. Do you think he makes the push for the top 20 wide receivers? He's, what, is, what is he, 32? 32. Uh, yeah, I think he does. I think he's become like the, the one of the main go-to targets for Burrow, I think. Um, and then Boyd and uh, Green kind of, they're almost more decoys now for Higgins. Higgins has those long balls. True. Uh, AJ Green's kind of washed. A couple other notable wide receivers here is Keelan Cole from Jacksonville. He had 20 points. And Travis Fulgham, Dragon's guy from the Eagles, he had 19.5 points. Last but not least, we got tight end. And for my pick, I have Anthony Ferkser from the Tennessee Titans. He's owned in a whopping 0.1% of leagues. In week six, <laughs> he had 25.3 points. He led all tight ends with that point total. Against Houston, he had eight receptions on nine targets for 113 yards and one touchdown. So you've never heard of this guy, and the reason being is that he's primarily a blocking tight end. But the fact of the matter is, Johnny Smith got hurt, and he might stay here for a little bit longer. And you know what that means? It's just a lot of targets from the Titans go to the tight end position. They, on average, have 10 targets per game. And a lot of those are now going to go to Anthony Ferguson. The Titans are an offensive juggernaut this year. They have 32.8 points per game, which means more opportunities to score. Next up, they play the Steelers. But as we've seen, the defense that the Tennessee Titans are playing doesn't really matter. They'll get the ball where they need to go just because they have Derrick Henry and a couple of really good outside options in A.J. Brown and Corey Davis. Alex, 
Mike Gusecki got you a whopping zero points and is also on by. What do you think of Anthony Furcher as an ad? Yeah, my tight ends, uh, Zach Ertz is my other tight end. So that's going real well for me. Uh, so with Fersker, yeah, had literally zero idea who this dude was until you assigned me to him and I was doing some research. Um, you know, yeah, he had a huge, he had a huge week. Um, and I was looking back at his previous scores. Um, his previous high was eight points. Um, he's only projected for 4.8 coming up this following week. Um, from what I've read, Johnny Smith could come back. Um, from what I understand, it's a minor ankle injury. Uh, who knows what that means uh, in the grand scheme of things. Um, if for myself, um, you know, I might pick him if, or if I had Johnny Smith, I might pick up Fersker as a backup and keep looking at the news cycle. Um, but, you know, eventually you'll have to make, uh, make a, make a play. You're just gonna have to pick one. Um, I don't know if I would pick him up if, you know, literally never heard of this guy. He's never seemed to have done anything other than this. Um, but if you need someone like I do 0.1%, probably a pretty good chance he's available in your league. So you're really, <laughs> you're really, really struggling for a tight end like, like I am going to be uh, take a shot in the dark, go for it. Um, but especially if you have John o. Smith, pick him up as a uh, kind of insurance piece. So if Johnny Smith does not play at all, do you think Fresco will end up being a top 10 tight end this week? Uh, um, yes, just because uh, the Titans offense is, I think, way better than we expected. Um, Tannehill is playing great. Derrick Henry is obviously a monster. Um, and just like you said, those wide receivers, I, you know, it doesn't matter who they're playing. They look great, um, even with their little COVID outbreak. Um, yeah, I can see him being a top 10 tight end this week for sure. Okay. And then a couple of other, other notable tight ends here is Darren Fellows from Houston. He had 20.5 points last week. And Logan Thomas from Washington, who had 13.2. Huge fan of Logan Thomas. He's been getting a lot of targets recently, but he had Dwayne Haskins as his quarterback, and it wasn't always accurate. But now he has somebody who's a little bit more accurate, so he's projected to get a little bit more points. So last, we're going to go around the horn and see what the guys think and who they like this week as a waiver wire ad. Tyler, let's start with you. Tim Patrick, wide receiver, Denver Broncos. Uh, 35th ranked wide receiver, averaging 12.2 points. Average, or he's owned in 27% of leagues. Uh, his last two weeks have been pretty productive. He's had over 100 receiving yards the last two weeks. So it looks like his usage That's is going awesome. up a little bit. Uh, two total touchdowns of the year. Um, and then, uh, yeah, he, he, has a, he has a tough matchup this week against the Chiefs, but I think this guy can be a sneaky flex option going forward. Okay. Uh, trade. The quarterback that I choose is Justin Herbert coming off a bye week with the Chargers. Um, in week five, I know this was like a while ago. It seems like it was like forever ago. Uh, he went out as a starter over Tyrod Taylor, completed 20 of 34 for 264 and four touchdowns for a total of 27 points. He's had three games over 22 fantasy points, which is nearly meeting or exceeding his original um, 14.5 average um, fantasy points per game outlined at the beginning of the season. Um, he's flashed his athleticism, his playmaking skills. He found Keenan Allen for a good score. He found Mike Williams for a good score. Experts had said that he was gonna, he was a softy and immature to, to, to take the starting role. Well, he went in before the other two that dra were drafted before him, um, you know, simply due to the, what happened to Tyrod Taylor. Um, and yes, I see that he's owned in 59%. He wasn't yesterday. Uh, so I can say that, uh, and I double checked. Um, 
here's also why you um here's also why he's important yes he hasn't have a, he doesn't have a win but at least he's keeping the chargers relevant he is playing the jacksonville jags this week whose defense defense has only recorded two fo- positive fantasy points in two games they are negative on the year they are so bad he's gonna he's gonna have a game uh, and then they play a stronger Broncos D, but he did put up his most points against the Saints D, so he obviously can do it against some 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 reputable defenses. I have him over Carson Wentz. I think he's a, I think he's going to be a stud. Love that pick, Alex. Uh, yeah, real tough here. Um, I picked Dalton Schultz of the Cowboys. They're playing the Washington Football Team, who are also terrible. It could turn into just a crapshoot and just the defenses are awful. Um, Just hope you're not me and, you know, everyone's hurt. But uh, Dalton Schultz could be someone that uh, could have a good week. Are you concerned at all about Andy Dalton's inaccuracy and just terrible overall quarterback play? (laughs) I mean, I think I'm pretty worried about the entire uh, NFC East at this point. (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah, I mean – if, yeah, I mean, honestly, Fersker's available in 99.9% of leagues. Just go get him. <laughs> Tannehill's obviously a much better quarterback than Andy Dalton. So. All right, and then uh, Eric left, obviously. Yeah, the NFC East is like that meme with, like, the trash cans in the storm getting shoved down the street. They did it again last year, too, but it's like a repeat of last year, and it's just like the Cowboys, Red Football team, Eagles, Giants, just all these trash cans getting shoved down the street. My pick, running back Adrian Peterson. Uh, He actually got me some points last week in my other league that I picked him up in. Um, But, yeah, I got to give the OG some credit. He got me, like, 15 points last week on the Lions. So, are you at all concerned about DeAndre Swift's breakout game? Because he had a monster game last week with 27 points. Does that phase you at all? Um, probably. Is he on the Lions? Yeah, probably. Yes, then. he is. Uh, <laughs> actually, Alex, I think, had him on the bench. <laughs> so I remember seeing a guy had a lot of points for him on the bench. I think that was him. Yeah, maybe. Now that you say that, it might. <laughs> all right, Eric. Great insight, man. And that uh, wraps up my segment. Thanks for listening. All right. Uh, let's pray for my fantasy team to do something better this week. <laughs> Probably won't happen. Everyone's hurt. Everyone's on a bye, but it'll be all good. Uh, James, you killed it. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, Tyler, you're going to give us a little recap of game one, and then we're going to go over the rest of the World Series. Oh, looks uh, so we'll happy right now. Oh, no, it doesn't. All right, everybody, welcome back. Last segment of the pod. Uh, Tyler's going to talk about MLB. We're going to hope for the best with that uh, Bermuda internet going on over there. Uh, Tyler, take it away. All right, so we made it, guys, the World Series. Uh, But first, let's all just take a collective deep breath after that insane, exciting, and for most or for some, a very high-stress-inducing League League Championship Series. That was really exciting, really fun to watch. Uh, both went to game seven. Uh, there was a moment there where I thought the Astros were going to come back and win that series and then go on to win the World Series and the Dodgers were going to choke and it was going to be the worst thing to ever happen in baseball. I think you fully believe that. I did fully like believe it. that. I, I 100% did. I 100% did. Um, 
So obviously, yeah. So in the American League, the Astros were down 0-3, came back to force the game seven. The, the Rays finally finished the job there. And the National League, kind of a similar situation. Uh, Braves up 3-1, dominated the, the, dominated the Dodgers the first four games, ex, except for game three. But the Dodgers won three straight, came back. Unbelievable. Still can't believe they pulled that off. And we have the Tampa Bay Rays and the Los Angeles Dodgers in the World Series. Uh, this is the first World Series matchup since 2013 to host the teams with the two best records in the league. Um, also, uh, this is a 2-3-2 format, meaning we'll do, we will have a couple of off days, um, unlike the League Championship Series where we, we had seven straight games. There will be an off day after game two and an off day after game five. Um, and, of course, all games are being played in the bubble in Arlington, Texas. So here we go. Uh, real quick, just real quick previews for both teams. For Tampa Bay, uh, this is their second World Series appearance in franchise history. Their last one was in 2008 when they lost the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, this is a team with a 28th ranked payroll in the league, um, attempting to win their first World Series title. As Trayton mentioned kind of early in this podcast, they have that, that, that small ball mentality team with not a lot of stars, but they play, they grind. They're a great, great, great team. Uh, and then, of course, the Dodgers. This is their third World Series appearance in the last four years. Um, no pressure. Eight straight to, to, to division championships. Uh, they won 104 games in 2017, 106 games in 2019. They won 70% of their games this season. All the pressure is on the, the, the Dodgers to, to win this series. Um, and then, to, so today we had game one. Dodgers came out on top, eight to three. Kershaw pitched a great game. Mookie Betts stole and hit his way um, to get the Dodgers that game one win. So that was huge for the Dodgers. Um, so real quick, let's go into some talking points here. Speaking of Clayton Kershaw. The best pitcher of his generation, looking to win his first World Series. Everyone knows his postseason struggles. Uh, 11 and 12 with a 4.31 ERA in the postseason. In the World Series, he's 1 and 2 with a 5.4 ERA. Obviously, that will probably go down a little bit. He's now 2 and 2 uh, after his game one win today. Uh, so, Traden, I wanted to ask you as a non Dodger, non baseball, but you're getting there. I think you're starting to like baseball a bit more. As, as a non fan, of kind of the Dodgers and Kershaw in general. Uh, do you want to see Clayton Kershaw finally win a ring? And does Kershaw need to be vintage Kershaw for the Dodgers to win this series? Um, I don't know. Do I want him to win? No. I mean, if I would love him to win if he was an angel. <laughs> um, I, I, but he, he's the kind of guy, I mean, he's not a bad guy outside. I mean, he's, he's a good guy outside the, outside the, uh, the diamond, which, you know, to me is like, it, 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 he, it, it, to finally get over those demons, I think will mean a lot. To, and I think that, you know, he's clearly um, one of, if not the best, in, like you said, in our generation, I think that he just needs to get over this hump to, you know, to, to really solidify that. And I think that that'll mean a lot to him. Do I want it to happen? Not necessarily. I'd love to see Tampa Bay win because this is their second appearance. Um, and, they are a completely different type of team than the Dodgers in terms of the payroll status. And I think that that, I think that that, that just shows that it, if they do win, um, which is not looking good so far, um, that, it, you know, it's not just the best players that, that you need. It's the right players. Um, but to answer your second question, does Clayton Kershaw need to be vintage Clayton Kershaw? Well, vintage Clayton Kershaw sucks in the playoffs. So I would say no. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> I like the way you spin that question back at me. Very tricky, Traden. He needs uh, to be regular season. Yeah. Like, and he was today. He, he had, was tonight. 
hell of a game. Yeah. Eight strikeouts, six six innings pitch, only one one run allowed. Looked great. It was disgusting. And I really haven't seen Clay, Clayton Kershaw play a full game. It, he's nuts. He's insane. <laughs> yeah. When he's on, he's just he's fantastic. Unfortunately, you never know what you're going to get in the postseason. But today we got the uh, good the good Kershaw. Um, obviously, I think a lot of people who are, who are baseball fans in general want to see Kershaw win a World Series just because he's been so good for so long. And I think for some guys, you just want to see them win that title. Even if you're not a fan of the team, even if you're not a Dodger fan or whatever, um, I think it's kind of similar to when, you know, Peyton Manning was for a long time was such a good quarterback for the Colts for so long and never won that Super Bowl. And even myself, not a Colts fan, wanted to see that happen. So I think it's kind of similar to that. Like Ovechkin too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's kind of those, just those guys that have been around for so long, have been good for so long. You just want to see him get to that top. Um, so let's let, let's dig into kind of the comparisons here on both sides of the ball. Let's talk about offense first. Um, for the Tampa Bay Rays, this offense runs through Randy Arozarena, the, the rookie Cuban baseball player is playing out of his mind right now. He was the ALCS MVP. Uh, he, he's hitting 382 with seven home runs and 14 runs this postseason. Uh, the rest of the team as a whole collectively is hitting 183. Um, so not a lot of depth. This team, this team averaged 3.5 runs per game in the ALCS. Um, on the Dodgers side of things, Corey Seager is their big guy. He was the NLCS MVP, hit 375, five home runs in the NLCS. Absolute monster. Team as a whole hitting a lot better than the Rays is, is hitting 256 as a team. Um, they average five and a half runs per game. So two runs more than the Rays did in, the, uh, in their championship series. For me, I think the Dodgers have the clear advantage here offensively. But, James, I want to know what you think. And then also, what player do you think will hit the most home runs in this series? Before I answer your questions, I have a question myself. So do I get free tacos every single, every single time that somebody steals a base, or is it just a game one thing? It's a one time they stole a base. A week from tomorrow, go to Taco Bell and ask for a taco. That's it. You get one free taco. Just one taco? <laughs> Just one. Yeah. Mom, it's not, not like if there's baseball. 15 <laughs> stolen bases, you think Taco Bell is going to give away 15 free tacos? It'll yeah. make you steal more. Marketing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Taco Bell, if you're listening to this, James wants to have a word with you. We'll, we'll get you guys. Give me more tacos. Yeah, give him more tacos. Cool, cool ranch tacos. is where it's at. <laughs> anyway back to your question Ty um, I 100% agree with you man uh, it's not even close here the Dodgers offensively are a juggernaut up and down the lineup they can hit anybody can hit uh, people are showing out left and right Corey Seager was great during the season he's spectacular during the offseason or the postseason um, Mookie Betts was on as always Cody Bellinger kind of had an off year by his standards this last season, but he just hit a home run in this game. He's, he might catch that guy, and if he does, that's like the, your number six batter in the lineup, and he's on fire. That's going to be another scary little thing there. Uh, the one thing I am a little weary, weary of is the fact that I really like the pitching for the Rays as a whole. Now, the Dodgers don't – pitching is okay, but it doesn't really line up with that of the Rays. Um, so that's the biggest concern here. The two guys I'm going to mention are the same two guys you mentioned, Corey Seager. Phenomenal. Randy Arozarena, also phenomenal. Uh, took me a long time to get down right, but I did. Uh, when it comes to your question about who's going to have the most home runs, I'm going to go with the 
ALCS Rosary. Mainly because, like I mentioned before, I like the pitching of the Rays a lot more than I like the pitching of the Dodgers. And this dude has been on fire. Like, oh my God. He had, he's only played in 14 postseason games thus far, but he's had 21 hits, 10 RBIs, and 7 home runs in those 14 games. The stats off the chart. I, I think he's going to win it. Not win it, but I think he's going to have the most home runs. I think the Dodgers are going to win it. Win it but yeah. yeah. I think I think a Rosemary is a, a great pick. I'm gonna go with Cody Bellinger. I think he's starting to heat up. He obviously had that go ahead home run in Game Seven, hit the hit a two run home run to get the the run scoring today. Um, I think he's starting to heat up a little bit offensively. Uh, so I'm gonna go with Cody Bellinger. He's gonna hit the most home runs in this series. So we'll see what happens. All right, moving on to the pitching side of things. I think this is an amazing matchup. This is kind of where I think it's really going to matter. It's going to come down to the pitching for, for, for both teams here. Um, for the Rays, uh, their starting pitching stats, uh, uh, this is for the postseason so far, um, a 3-3 ERA, 10.2 Ks per nine, a 1.24 whip, and a 220 opponent's batting average. For the Dodgers starting pitching, they have a 3.33 ERA, 12.1 Ks per inning, a 1.25 whip, and a 217 opponent average. That is insanely close it's like almost exactly the same and the same can be said about the bullpen for the rays their era is 3.41 the dodgers bullpen era is 3.40 uh case per nine for the rays 8.2 case per nine for the dodgers 8.7 opponent batting average for the rays bullpen 266 for the dodgers is 218 and as far as saves and opportunities go the rays are six for six and the dodgers are four for four so again, really, really close. This pitching, I think, is the most evenly matched pitching series that we've seen in a very, very long time. Of course, the Rays have that big three-headed monster uh, with their starting pitching, um, but the Dodgers, I think, overall, just depth-wise, are all can match up against any of those guys. Um, and we saw today in Game One. So, oh, Eric, I want to know what team do you think has the advantage with the pitching, and what pitcher will record the most strikeouts in this series? Dude, that was so many numbers. That was fucked. Yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they're probably important. I know the ERA one is pretty important. The one number. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I got to go with the Tampa Bay Rays because I'm just, you know, I got to go with them. Uh, and I talked about them when we were going over the other playoff matchups. You had me talk about the Rays a little bit. Uh, this dude, Glass now, tallest pitcher in the league. He is 6'8". That's pretty insane. Lucky fucking guy probably pulls all the girls. Uh, but him being so tall, uh, it they were saying his elbow extension and release is like different looking than, uh, than a regular normal length pitcher. So that could make him a little more deceptive. Uh, didn't really work tonight, though, as we saw, unfortunately. Um, this dude Snell, as Alex would say, the guy's got a nasty curveball. Um, I think from what I remember, he had the most curveball strikeouts in this shortened season. Um, and the last dude I'll talk about is Castillo with a pretty low ERA, 1.66. That was this year. Um, I did see him fuck a game up, though, against the Astros, which makes me a little nervous. So I'm going to have to go with the Rays pitching because I know you could probably talk more about the Dodgers pitching. Yeah, I – so I think I, my, my first instincts and my first gut reaction there is to go with the Rays, um, just because that's what everyone's been talking about all season. Also, interesting fact about uh, Glass now, other than he's super tall, uh, he had this weird uh, surgery on his, on his arm. 
Um, so he can't fully extend his two fingers. So he has to throw the ball more like a football and it creates this crazy spin. It's pretty interesting. Um, so that he, he's a, he's a really, really good pitcher, obviously, uh, you know, Dodgers got him in, in game one, but he could easily come back in this series and absolutely shut it down. This guy's throws absolute fire. Um, but looking at the stats that just kind of rambled off, if you guys caught any of that, we'll have to post that or something. Um, the Dodgers have a slight advantage statistically this postseason over the Rays, uh, pitching wise. So I'm going to give the slight edge to the Dodgers here, but it's really, really, really close. I think that the, the Rays are all about their starters and they want them to go as deep as possible um, and get to that lockdown bullpen. The Dodgers can kind of do whatever. They have a lot of hybrid guys, guys that can start, go five innings or come out of the bullpen and, you know, pitch two innings. They, they, they have a lot more flexibility with their pitching. And I think that's why you see those stats uh, pretty even. Um, and I'm going to go with uh, Walker Bueller, most strikeouts, this postseason, uh, he's been looking. He's been looking great in the postseason so far. Throwing absolute gas. Raising sick. <laughs> I didn't ask you that yet. Um, so moving on to my last talking point. Uh, let's let's talk about X factors. Um, but Alex, I want to talk to you first. Um, third World Series in four years. Um, I, first, I want to ask you just your general overall feelings heading into this World Series matchup compared to the um, other two in seventeen and eighteen. Yeah, uh, 17, I felt pretty good about what we were going into. Um, you know, they swept the Diamondbacks in the first round, took care of the Cubs, and then uh, ran into the Astros, who, you know, we don't need to get into that again. But, um, you know, the Dodgers probably should have won that one. If they weren't cheated out of it, they probably would have won. Um, I felt really confident going into that one. They obviously took a team that cheated uh to seven games um uh moving on to 18 to be completely honest with you i wanted the dodgers to lose in the nlcs that year so we didn't have to lose back-to-back world series uh the red sox were a team of destiny that year sort of like tampa was this year sort of like the lakers were no one was gonna beat that team um the second i was like cool we managed the world series we're gonna lose i'm just glad we didn't get swept in that one uh, in 2020, though, I think this is the most complete team that we've seen. Um, it's a mixture of young guys and old guys. You know, Walker Bueller is still pretty young, but this is his third postseason already. Obviously, Clayton Kershaw, future Hall of Famer. But they've got Dustin May. They've got Julio Rios. They've got Tony Gonsolin, um, you know, in that, in that uh, rotation. And on the hitting side, you know, still got JT, still got Cody Bellinger, Mookie Betts is a vet. And then, you know, younger guys like Will Smith, um, you know, Chris Taylor, I guess Chris Taylor's kind of older. And at this point, like Kike, some of these guys, um, I feel really, I feel good. Uh, you know, winning game one helps a lot. Yeah. Uh, but they, this feels like the most complete Dodgers team we've seen probably in this eight year run of division titles. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. Um, I think it just comes down to, can they finish the job? Um, I'm not really going to feel comfortable at all until they get that last out in that fourth win of the world series. And I see him um, raise that trophy, just knowing how close we got in 17 and how easily a season can end. Like in like last year, you know, where you thought this team is so good, it can happen. And then it came real close to ending again, last, last round. So I'm not going to be completely fully confident in this team's ability to do it until they actually do it. (laughs) But 
like you mentioned, I do agree with you. This is the best Dodgers team that we've seen, which is crazy because there's been a lot of good ones already. Um, so moving on to X factors, Alex, I want you to give me uh, who you think the, bet, the most important player is for each team um, for, the, for them to, to win this series. Uh, so it is Clayton Kershaw, I think. Um, it helps tonight, obviously, that he pitched really well. Um, assuming this series goes longer, he's going to have to have, you know, for them to win, I think he needs to have two quality starts. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be eight shutout innings with 15 Ks. It just needs to be six innings like tonight, maybe giving up less than three or less runs. Um, if we get, you know, if you get six innings out of Kershaw, two, two starts like that with the rest of that pitching staff, I don't really see how the Rays um, with that kind of weaker offense can beat the Dodgers. Um, on the other side, uh, for the Rays, it's got to be Nick Anderson. He was their best reliever all year. Um, he's kind of been struggling a little bit in the playoffs. Um, he's, you know, the Rays are one of these teams that don't do the conventional baseball system. You know, there's not Mariano Rivera in the back. Trevor Hoffman, you know, always going to be there in the ninth inning. Uh, I think we talked about it last time. There's been 12 guys that have saved a game this year. Um, they bring in their best pitchers at the time that they're needed the most. Um, so there's going to be, you know, Nick Anderson and what um, Eric was saying with Diego Castillo. Those guys are going to need to get big outs uh, for the Rays. Uh, but I'm going to stick with Nick Anderson as the X factor. If he can get big outs, the Rays definitely have a good shot to win this. For sure. That, that, that bullpen, that pitching staff's nasty. Um, for me, for the, on, on the Dodgers, I'm going to go with Mookie Betts um, because Mookie has probably seen this Rays pitching more than anyone else on the Dodgers being in, in that um, AL East division in the past. Um, so I think he's a lot of experience against this, this race pitching staff. Uh, he showed it today, hitting a home run. Um, and he also, you know, can do it all. Um, I think he hasn't really gone on a super hot streak yet offensively in, in this postseason. He did Kinda, good. He, 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 he struggled a little bit offensively. Obviously, that defense is always going to be great. He, he had that huge home run robbery against uh, Freeman in game seven. Um, so I'm going to go with Mookie Betts for the Dodgers. And on the Rays, I'm going to go with Charlie Morton. Um, this guy's kind of com comparable to Mr. Game 7, Justin Williams in hockey trading. This guy comes up in the biggest moments. Um, he's, won a, he's won a World Series with the uh, Houston Astros in 17 against this Dodger team. Um, so he's kind of an old nemesis for us. Um, he's slated to, I think, start Game 3. And he'll probably, if the series goes longer, probably start Game 7. So uh, for me, Charlie Morton for the Rays is their huge X factor. If he can pitch like he's been pitching and shuts it down it's going to be a pretty interesting series to watch um so kind of just to wrap up this segment i'm going to go around the horn um give us your series predictions you can uh, keep game one with the dodgers winning in mind with these uh, predictions since it, since it already happened so trade in who you got well since i can't say raisin four no okay <laughs> um, i'm gonna say raisin six uh no raisin seven boo james who you got uh, it pains me to say this, but my complete unbiased opinion here is that the Dodgers will take it in five. Eric. Rays in seven. Alex. Uh, Dodgers in six. I'm also going to go Dodgers in six. Um, game one wins huge, but this Rays team is not going to go down without a fight. They're a great team. They're in the World Series for a reason. I'm excited to watch it, guys. I'm going to be watching it in a different country. 
Uh, I have to watch it on ESPN with the international broadcast, which is pretty cool. Uh, it's Matt Vaskersian instead of Joe Buck, which I personally like a little bit better, but <laughs> everyone can have their own opinion about that. So anyway, that's all I got for the World Series for 2020. Let's go. All right. Thank you, Tyler. Yeah, by the time we record next week, uh, depending on how the games go, it could be over uh, or we could be in, I think it would be game six, six on Tuesday. Seven, yeah. Six and seven coming up. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, just a reminder, guys, um, if you want to talk shit to us about any of our takes, uh, you know, find us on Instagram and Twitter and YouTube, not Facebook, Tyler. We do not have a Facebook. Nope. If you guys listen to the end of last <laughs> week's episode. YouTube. Um, yeah, YouTube, mm -hmm. not the Facebook. Uh, and again, one last reminder, get out there and vote. Um, a lot of the states, your online registration has already passed, but you can still do same day registration. Um, get out there and vote guys. Um, you know, it's really important. Uh, other than that, uh, you know, have a great week boys. Good talking with you.